Hey friend. Oh my goodness. Have you ever had life just like give you a big old mule kick or pull the rug out from under you? Yeah. Well, that is where I have been the last couple of weeks, just trying to keep up with what's been happening. And in the middle of all the craziness, I had someone offer me some grace. To be exact, there was a project that I was responsible for doing, and this person offered me the opportunity to not have to do it. And the great part was that not doing it myself didn't mean that someone else was going to get stuck with it. There was nothing like that. So it was just pure grace, you know, to lighten my load, allow me to get back on track, catch my breath. Perfect, right? So why was it so hard for me to accept the grace? Why was it so hard to receive, just savor it, to enjoy it, to appreciate it and live in it joyfully? Why did I feel like even though grace was offered to me, I should push it aside and insist on moving ahead with what I had intended before life threw me the curve and everything came unraveled? Why was it so easy to feel like I shouldn't need grace, that I didn't earn it, that I failed somehow, and so I should feel less than or like I'm not enough and unworthy and all those kinds of things? Are you with me? Have you ever been there? In thinking about this, it really made me wonder if I don't have the same response too often to God's grace, to God himself. What does my reluctance to accept grace say about my picture of God, about who God is and what he thinks of me? And that is when I decided this is what we're talking about today. (laughs) For us as Christian women in the messy middle of life, I have found that the way we answer this question, who is God, has a lot to do with getting to the root of our sense of dissatisfaction or unfulfillment, our kind of lostness and our desire for greater purpose in this season. Our view or picture of God, whether we know it or not, and it's pretty likely that we haven't paid a lot of attention to it over the years in our busyness with marriage and family and career and life, but that picture has shaped what we've done with our lives or what we haven't done with them until now. So now is a great time to get real with this question of who is God to you, sister? And in fact, I really believe that God uses this middle season. He uses the situations that we face in this season to draw us into giving attention to looking closer at the way we have answered this question without even realizing it many times. Who is God? What comes into your mind when you think about God, when you relate to God? Who is God for you? And by the way, answering this question has everything to do with the other big questions we ask when we're looking for greater meaning in our relationship with God when we want to grow spiritually, those questions like, who am I to God? What does God think of me? And what am I supposed to do with my life? So think about this. 
we will never have a relationship with God that can grow deeper than our understanding of God. Our spiritual life, it will never rise higher. It will never be greater than our idea of who God is. Sister, if we want more in our relationship with God, we've absolutely got to know who God is for us in this relationship. So if you are wanting to reconnect with God, if you're wanting to begin anew in your relationship with him, or if you feel like something is separating you from God, or you have to hold back somehow, if your experience with God is missing something, doesn't have the intimacy or the depth, this is a great place to start. The truth is, your spiritual future and everything in your life is impacted by the answer to this question, who is God to you? So let's talk about it today. Looking for something more in this middle season of life? Lie awake at night wondering what God wants you to do and how to hear his voice clearly? I see you, sister. We're in the messy middle. Hey, I'm Angie, midlife mentor and missionary. I was busy chasing all the things when one day I woke up in the middle and it didn't look at all like I expected. I realized my faith was too flimsy to handle all the stuff midlife was throwing at me. And I wanted to serve God with my gifts, but I just couldn't get any traction until God pulled me out of the mess and put my feet on the path to a life of peace and purpose right here in the middle. In this podcast, you'll discover the next steps God has for you in this season, new ways to go deeper than ever before with Jesus, and biblical tools to walk this journey with more of everything God wants for you. You ready? Come on, we're not sleeping anyway, so pop in those earbuds and let's talk. Having a true a correct and healthy answer to the question of who God is, what God is like. This is a foundational part of renewing our minds that Paul talks about in Romans 12, verse 2, so that we can discern God's will and recognize the lies of the enemy. In the Garden of Eden, the first deception of the enemy was based on this very question we're talking about today Who is God? In Genesis 3, verses 1 through 5, The serpent is described as being the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, the serpent, and we know that that was Satan using the serpent, speaking through the serpent, he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Now listen carefully. What does the serpent, Satan, say? In verse four, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And so the woman was convinced. Now we know the story, but notice What the enemy was really doing was asking the woman, who do you think God is? Can he be trusted? 
Is he interested in your best good or is he hiding something good from you? Is he selfishly keeping you from a better life? Who is this God who told you not to eat from the tree or you'll die? Is God truthful or is he lying to you? Is he holding out on you? What Eve thought about God opened her up to choosing to disbelieve and disobey what God had told her, going instead after her own ideas of the way to life and happiness. Sister, from that very first temptation to now, the enemy's strategy has never changed. He is a liar and an accuser, and he knows that if our picture of God is not the way God really is, if he can mess up our understanding of God, then our relationship with God, our relationship with others, and what we think about our own self will all be messed up. That's why we're exploring this question today. Who is God for you? What picture, what idea, what concept is in your mind when you are thinking about God, when you are relating to God? The answer to this question is not just what we know about God intellectually, like information and facts. Some of us may have grown up with very little biblical background, while others of us were in church every week or many times a week. But either way, our explicit knowledge about God is only part of how we have developed a picture of God. The other way that we have come to think about or relate to God is through implicit information. That is, things that are suggested, implied, they're not directly expressed or taught to us in words, so to speak. Implicit messages come to us through our families, our parents, church, culture, friends, school, everywhere, really. And usually, like I said, it's not so much words, although it may include words, but it's more the experience, the even emotional response that happens in a certain experience. We interpret and respond to these experiences in our life, and these influence the way we think about and relate to God all the rest of our life. I have one friend, her view of God, she now realizes, is that God is judgmental, that he's disapproving, constantly standing over her. But she remembers a family member's words when she was little, telling her repeatedly, God saw you do that. What do you think God thinks about what you just did? So she says she kind of sees God as more like a bad Santa. You know, like he sees you when you're sleeping. You get presents if you're good. You get a lump of coal if you're bad. I have another friend. And after a lot of self-reflection, she realized that she was always trying to do more, do enough to receive God's approval and love. She realized that her view of God was more like a work supervisor, always watching her with a list of things to do, but she couldn't keep up or she saw God as checking in on her to see how well she's done, what she's left undone. And she said her relationship seems more like a job than an intimate friendship. Yet another friend remembers pictures of God that scared her when she was a child. And she struggles to understand how a loving God can allow disasters. Also, some of the Old Testament stories. She has questions. 
She says it's hard to trust or to be close with a God that deep down she's still afraid of or doesn't completely understand. For many people, the idea of God as father is a difficult picture because their human fathers didn't treat them well or even abuse them. And transferring this idea to God, it's hard to say that God is a father. In all of these cases and more, here is the thing. Whether you've had very little biblical information about God growing up or whether you've had lots of church experience, biblical information, correct knowledge about God, what we don't always realize, I certainly didn't, is that what we say we know about God, what we say is true about God, the facts, the information, that's one thing. But as we live our day-to-day real lives, our thoughts and our feelings and actions are actually influenced very much by this other implicit, this kind of underlying view of God. And just like my experience this week with having difficulty or being kind of reluctant to accept grace, what do I know about God if you ask me? Well, I know that God is love and God offers us his love and his grace as a gift. You can't earn it. You just receive it. But some other message in my life about God has taught me that I need to do something to prove myself, to do my best, which is like always this unattainable goal, right? Your best. You could always do more or better. I need to do my part and then God will do his. These kinds of messages. The idea that I'm lovable or God will love me if I do everything that's expected, if I'm hardworking. And even better, if I can exceed expectations, right? So, whoa, wait a minute, hold up. Which picture of God am I going to believe? Which one is going to be the foundation of my relationship and life with God? That is the really big question. That's where we're trying to get to. That's the whole point of this topic. And yet I can't get there until I first recognize what is the picture of God that is underneath in my life, that's, that is causing me to feel and think and act in certain ways? Now, realizing the discrepancy between my head knowledge and my heart experience of God has not happened overnight. It is a process. And usually, this is going to happen over time as different catalysts in our real life help us to reflect, and then uncover the many layers in our answer to this question. But still, the first step is recognizing the question and the importance of it so that we can begin and then continue the process. You know, the promise is that God will reveal himself to us. He wants to be known by us. Paul says that we see through a glass darkly here on this planet. So. Our picture of God is not always clear. We are constantly growing and gaining clarity so that we can grow in our relationship with God. But being reflective about thoughts that hold us back, issues we feel are blocking us or keeping us at a distance from God, if there are temptations we struggle with, especially over and over, if we're wondering why we do what we do sometimes, 
This is the real life stuff to examine prayerfully, sister, looking for what you're thinking about God. What does this thought that I have, what does this behavior, you know, this action that I'm doing, what is it telling me about what I think about God at this time? And for me, I have found many patterns in my temptations, my failures, by looking at how I view God and how that is affecting the way I think and what I do. Besides just being generally reflective about life and what's happening to us, I'm going to share with you a few questions that you can ask to uncover some of the layers to kind of begin this process. You can journal, meditate, pray over this, invite God into the process. We're not doing this as self-help on our own. We're asking God to reveal himself. In Psalm 46.10, God says, be still and know that I am God. So as we take time to be still and reflect, God will reveal himself to us. So first, it is important. Make a list of what you actually do know about God, what you believe to be true from the Bible, from what you know, the informational beliefs. What is God like? Who is God? These are answered by saying, you know, God is love. God is holy. God is everywhere. These are important because we will come back to this intellectual information. Now make a second list, and these questions will help you uncover some of the implicit understandings or picture of God that you may have. For example, if I ask you, what picture of God do you have when you feel guilty? Or what picture or idea of God do you have when you are praying? What is your posture between yourself and God? What, what are you thinking about God? When you pray, how do you picture God at any time? When you close your eyes, what does God look like or sound like? How about when something unpleasant happens in your life, something painful, suffering, a tragedy, an illness? Who is God? What comes into your mind about God when you are really hurting? What questions do you have about God? And sister, this is the time when you are journaling, when you are meditating and praying on this, to be honest. Just admit the thoughts that you have about God, even if you feel like they're not appropriate, you know, like I shouldn't think that. I'm encouraging you, be open and be honest. Psalm 139 verses 1 through 4 says, O oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. God does not ask us to hold back our feelings, our thoughts. He welcomes that so that he can heal them, so that he can be part of our experience. But then that goes back to what we think about God, doesn't it? Another opportunity for meditation on this subject is to do a self-reflection timeline. You want to take your life in segments and recall significant experiences that shaped your thoughts about God. Is there something that someone said? Something that someone did? Trace your thoughts and beliefs and feelings about God through the different segments of your life and look for clues and patterns. 
don't try to do the whole life, your whole life at one time, but you can do childhood and then maybe grade school and then middle school, you know, however it makes sense for you. Take a little bit of time in each segment and think about what were the influences that began your very first thoughts about God or gave you that very first picture and how might those still be influencing you today or not. So for me, I really see how my relationships with my mom and dad, a combination of my relationships with both of them influenced my views of God probably more than anything else. And there were positives and negatives in each of those relationships that contributed and continue to show up in my implicit view of God that I have been able to recognize and then work with. That is our intent in this entire process. It's to make space. It's to give attention to this question of who is God so that God can reveal himself to us. What's interesting is that atheists, a lot of them reject God because of the ideas of God that they say they can't respect or love or believe such a God. But they write God off, never realizing that the true God is not like the pictures or concepts that they have in their mind. But what about Christians who also have ideas and questions about God? And if we never look at those ideas or questions, our relationship can end up staying very superficial with God. We keep God at a distance or we feel that God is distant because we don't really know him. The essence of idolatry is worshiping a false God. And sister, that false God could just be thoughts about God that aren't worthy of him, that aren't correct about him. It's wrong ideas about God. That's a false God. In idolatry, we imagine things about God and then we act as if they're true. But no idol can meet the desires of our hearts. And the false views of God that we have, the distorted understandings that we may have, are often a big part of why we feel dissatisfied, disconnected in our relationship with God. So once you have your journal reflections, how do you know if your picture of God is a true picture or a healthy picture? Or what do you do if you look at some of your thoughts and you say, I know this isn't healthy. Well, this is where our informational knowledge plays an important role. God has revealed himself in many ways, but the most complete revelation is in his written word in the Bible. We can find answers in the Bible to make sure our picture of God matches what God has shown us about himself. And then within the Bible, the clearest, the greatest picture is Jesus, who said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In fact, John 1 verse 18 says, no one has ever seen God except the Son. Jesus has revealed God to us. So Jesus is the clearest revelation of God. This is also where a good, solid, spiritual friend can be a big help. And I hope that you find this podcast and me to be a spiritual friend for you. In future episodes, we are going to continue to look at who God is, what God is like. We're going to talk about his nature, his attributes, 
along with what this means for who we are to God and what our purpose is. We've got to counter any lies in our picture about God with truth and then learn to let God move that truth about him from our heads into our hearts so that it affects all of our thoughts and our actions. Sister, I would love to hear what you discover in your reflection and journaling about your picture of God. Did anything surprise you? Or maybe you have some questions about God. Feel free to message me, email me, or come join our private community. We can talk more about who God is to each of us in our Realize More with God Facebook group. We are just a group of sisters walking in the messy middle and growing in our relationship with God. So who is God to you, to me? This is not just a one-time question or answer. It will not just be a one-time journaling experience. Sister, this becomes our forever question, ever growing deeper into the truth of who God is. We'll never know everything. God is beyond our comprehension. But like any relationship, God wants us to know Him better and better. Discover different aspects of Him. Always be realizing more of Him and with Him. I pray this blesses you. Real quick before you go, if this podcast blessed you in some way, I would so appreciate it if you would share it with another sister in the middle. And the number one way you can bless me is to leave a written review for the show over on Apple Podcasts. I read each review and love knowing what's touched you, and I get inspired hearing from you. You can also send me a DM and let me know how I can pray for you or give me an idea of what you would like me to talk about on the show. I'll meet you back here same time next week. Until then, walk in God's grace and peace.